Welcome to another episode of Let's Hookah. On this week's episode, I sat down with comedian Athir Yakub to talk about everything from hookah stories to therapy to what our vices are. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please join our Patreon for more content. Comment and rate this episode and follow us. Thank you. Welcome to Let's Hookah. This is a podcast where we talk about everything from hookup stories to hookah stories and anything else we want to talk about. Today we have Athir Yakub. Hi. That was, was I supposed to jump in? No, that was your last name, right? Yeah. For a moment I was like, wait, is that your last name? Yeah, you looked at me and you're like, I don't know, is it? No. Because I just had Mo on, right? I just had Mo on and his last name is also Yakub. It is. He spelled so, it with a Q. And Unrelated. Yours is with a C? C-O-U-B. The correct way. The correct <laughs> There's no correct way because in our languages, it's phonetic, right? Right. So in English, sure. it's like whatever. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Welcome. Thank you. So good to finally have you. Yes. Uh, you this is so of, cool. You want a few comedians that I knew for sure would be down with smoking hookah. So. Yeah, this is probably not great for my <laughs> my image as a nutritionist. Ah. <laughs> I hope this or doesn't mine get out. Is a neuroscientist. Right, this is not good. But you know what? It's cultural, and if you don't like this, then it's a hate crime. Yeah. No. <laughs> I've been. I was like allowed to smoke hookah since I was ten years old. That is wild. That was like the first time I like not on a regular, but I tried it right. when I was like 10, 12. That's like alcohol no, for yeah. a lot of Western people, right? I know these people in Italy who were like, "Yeah, we tried wine in church when we were like six years old." True. So it's like. Because we don't have alcohol, we just have smoking. That's why our, our yeah. people smoke so much. So much. Yeah. And you're Palestinian. Your people really smoke yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like all my Palestinian friends back in Denmark, they would all have, uh, it would be so normal for them to smoke at home with their parents. Oh, yeah. My mom yeah. like loves it when I come. All we do is sit outside on the patio and smoke. I love that. For us, it's more like you go out to like a cafe. Yeah. But I mean, that. in Alabama, it's like. Right. Um, where I grew up partially and in Palestine but no in Palestine oh when I was there in the summer it's the best now it's a delivery service so we didn't want to we were just hanging out at home <laughs> we didn't feel like making it so we we're like oh let's just get it delivered that's <laughs> it's amazing like the seamless for a hookah I know you can get that in some pl- in the UK you can get that but that's more like for parties oh uh, no no just like-, just like two little hookahs and they come pick it up after you're done wow yeah they really hacked the system. They did. That's a lot of back and forth for them, though. It's not just delivery, I right? think it's worth it, though, for them. It must be. I mean, you know, people don't make money there, so I guess it's worth it. Yeah. But it's not a lot of labor or overhead. I guess not, yeah. And the cost is very little, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I never you're, understood. You're using the thing. Like, it doesn't cost them anything. Just- I never understood why hookah places charge so much for hookah. Like, tobacco is... Is not that expensive. You know what's crazy in New York? I went to a place where they charged you. First of all, it was a shitty self-igniting coal that smells like gasoline and 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 carcinogens and on top of carcinogens. And <laughs> they charge two dollars to get another charcoal. That's just offensive. That's criminal. Yeah. That's like. Can you, you imagine? Wow. So. 
There was this place that we went to, and like my friend was like, it told me that he would bring his own charcoal. <laughs> Did he? Yes. Oh my god! They can tell the selfing. Yeah, if you're just bringing your own and adding and it, just to, adding yeah. it on top. That's true. That's criminal. How dare you charge for charcoal? How dare you? That's on top a part of, like of the service. Forty dollars of like the hookah. Yeah, I once went to this place in Inwood. It, and they were like they had a tiny head on a little bit of tobacco and I was like we need more coal because they had the self-igniting ones and they're like that's a, that's a, like surcharge and I got yeah. I was so offended I was like you've taken something that is Middle Eastern and yeah you're, was you're, this a Dominican spot yeah <laughs> I was like yeah because Middle Eastern people would not char- and also I'm sorry like it's not usually good quality because we're very particular about our like you know your tobacco your coal how how high the water is mm-hmm. uh like people don't know the 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 intricacies yeah. of hookah smoking not burning it smoking for a while although this is challenging because you know the more for the listeners at home if you want to learn how to hookah more efficiently you got to keep it going and it's funny my friend my hardcore friend they'd always be like smoke or talk smoke or talk absolutely right? that's how i am with my friends too and my like, mom would be like d- like this is something they say like oh um do you mind passing your microphone <laughs> if you're just sitting there talking into it oh that's what i and should like, do oh oh i like your microphone at the i'm like oh oh here you go sorry it's like a I, gentle I will, I will be this person reminder i will look at you i'll be like is she gonna smoke it she i do that smoke too it? and then i'll just keep reaching out because, i know yeah. yeah i do that too and i'm like smoke or talk that's but now we're yeah. doing both and it's tricky and it's it, gonna it's burn kind of tricky yeah it's gonna burn a bit uh this one is is great. I I really like this hookah. It took me a while to get used to this format because it doesn't have the ventilator on, so it ventilates in a You're different right. way. It, I don't know what the mechanism is. It's very pretty is. though. I like the gold on there. The aesthetic, yeah. I was like, it fits my place. Yeah. <laughs> I just got. I have one that's tiny that my mom got me, which is funny. And then when you came over when I had my barbecue, I had that little square one, which is that. great. It yeah. actually works really well. It and it's great really for like good. barbecues and like taking it out like to the park and stuff. For sure. And this plastic, doesn't break. Right? Yeah. But it works surprisingly well. Yeah. Yeah. Just for the record, we're not being sponsored by Big Tobacco or Big Hookah Industry. But if you want to sponsor us, please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right in. A little, little ad for tobacco. Um, yeah, because they need it, you know. Yeah, they need it. <laughs> no not one, enough no people are smoking. It. No one's smoking anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. But it's funny when I was back in Palestine, everyone was like smoking cigarettes indoors, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess I could do without that. You know, mm. just the constant cigarette smoke. They smoked in hospitals. I remember one time I went to a hospital, I fainted, and then outside of hospital, luckily, and then uh, the, like people were just smoking in the lobby. That like, is doctors. wild. Wait, what, what year was this? It, this was in Palestine, so it's like okay. they probably still do that. Um, but years ago, years ago. They're like, this is not the thing that's going to kill us. It's something yeah, else. They're like, have you seen what's going on? Turn <laughs> yeah. on the news. Yeah. I, I, that's, the Israelis are going to kill us before the cigarettes before do. Before the cigarettes. Who's, who lives that long in Palestine anyway? What is? Do you know what the average age? I don't know in the West Bank. I know... Um, oh God, I think I read in in Gaza it's like seventeen. I remember which is reading oh, that it's like a crazy gutting. low number. It is just yeah. But it's hard to say with the West Bank right. as a whole. Like I don't know. Is that where your family lives? Yeah, the West Bank. Cool. So how was your summer trip there? Oh, incredible! Not long enough. I actually had to come back for a comedy show 
No, I mean, I was happy to have shows. Um, like I'm on this Muslim tour, so it wasn't like a, I wasn't coming back for a bar show. I wasn't going out of my way to come back across country for a drink ticket. And your Muslim shows for charity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's for care for um, Council of uh, American Islamic Relations. That's awesome. Yeah, so they help fight the hate crimes and Islamophobia and all of that. So we're doing like a fundraising tour. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. What what places have you gone to so far? Oh, the exotic places of Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, West Virginia. You know, just like all the exotic spots. Wow. (laughs) Um, But there are no Muslims living out there, right? There oh, are. Okay. So Muslims are who come to mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. It's not like cross culture dialogue no, kind of no, thing. We want other people to come out. We would, but I think the target audience is Muslims who like also want to donate to these charities. I see. Okay, that makes sense because they um, have like a you know a stake in it. And but it's it's been cool. It's yeah. been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like trying to, yeah, I'm like about to smoke from the microphone instead of the hookah. <laughs> yeah. um, so Alabama, that must have been fun. I'm yep, saying, I'm, yep. I'm saying that I, was, I, I guess I need to tell people that the backstory. Americans are not, don't really get sarcasm that much. That was me being sarcastic. Oh my God. John Sue, this is really difficult for me because I'm, I don't even realize because I think our, when I even think about our language, I don't know if it's the same in like Kurdish or like we're just very sarcastic very and dry sarcastic. Yeah. and right. And I never really thought of us that way, like kind of the way the Brits are, but mm. I never thought about that. But I realize like people sometimes don't know and I realize I'm just sarcastic all the time and it's just built into the language as well. Like, yeah. um, in Arabic and like in our mannerisms and our like, you know, um, and I realize like sometimes I, even when I'm being sincere, it sounds sarcastic. And I think, oh, it sounds sarcastic. I thought you meant that people couldn't tell. Both people can't tell when I'm sarcastic and they can't tell when I'm serious. It's starting (laughs) to meld it together into one tone. (laughs) I see. It's just the same so far. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It just (laughs) sounds the same. So they can't read my intention or context sometimes. (laughs) Right. For me, it's the assumption should be that I'm being sarcastic. It's very rare that I'm being like 100% earnest. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Today I had a a new psychiatrist and he was... uh, going through the intake and I was like, I just need a refill, man. Cause my other psychiatrist like left the practice or something. Oh, wow. And he was just going through all the intake and he's like really dry. And he's like, so where's, uh, so, um, now tell me about your trauma. And then, and I wow. started laughing and I was like, you know, it's just your run of the mill war torn immigrant <laughs> bombing, shooting trauma. Yeah. And he, right. And I'm like, it and also he like, then when he found out I was a comedian, he like perked up and he was like, what? Get out of here. Like he went from the most dry human <gasps> being ever. And I was like, oh God, I need to switch psychiatrists immediately. Yeah. And then, I mean, what psychiatrist is like fun, but, um, and then he was like, what? Get out of here. He's like, you're my first comedian. And then he like settled. And anyway, he I, has a, he has a room full of faces of his first my yeah. first patient first palestinian probably for who knows palestinian from comedian, alabama from alabama I even, it was funny because it was like this is just clearly for an intake form and it's like i was like where do you want to begin he was like so tell me about your trauma and i just laughed i was like <laughs> laughing a, crying I, I was like where feels do you- like he might have been it, it that feels like a joke right 
It did. <laughs> it really did. I was like, I, I think he was trying to diagnose me and, uh, and he was like, oh, do you have like flashbacks? I was like, I definitely have PTSD of sorts. Cause he was like, oh, do you avoid situations? Or I was like, like 4th of July, like fireworks. I was like, yes, I stay home during that because I don't, really? I can't deal with like the fireworks. It's just too much. Wow. Like intellectually, I know it's like, Especially if I see it, it's better. But if I just hear it, mm. it's it. You know, and um, I live in Brooklyn. There's a bed a, in bedside. There's like uh, fireworks going off all the time. Like even just the other day, there was fireworks going off. But you could, I could tell usually the difference. But like sometimes, if it's right next to my apartment, then it just I'm like, oh god. And there's actual gunshots. Um, <laughs> right, that's that too. But that too. I don't know. I'm just like. It, it was just kind of funny. I was like, how much time do you have to hear about my trauma? I was like, don't worry. I'm in therapy. Um, I don't need you to therapize me right now. Right. And he was like, okay. Um, but then it was, it, he was fine at the end of it. It was, it, I've never had a male psychiatrist. That's all my a, providers are usually women of color. At least he was piece of, he was a black man. So I was like, all right, at least he got kind of okay. like the, he, he's got a POC experience, yeah, right? Exactly. That, really exactly. Matters. Which helps. It does. It does. Yeah. I can't just go like a straight white man who yeah. like, I just, uh, I'm like, you're the enemy. You're the reason yeah. I'm depressed. No, no. But um, well, that was the craziest thing for me. First time I started therapy was only like three years ago. And it the guy I got, I was like, oh my God, it's a middle-aged white man. This is literally oh the people I avoid yeah. constantly. But I was so surprised. This guy just got it. The really? first few times, I was so hesitant with him. I was so wow. was not willing to like to open up. But he just proved himself to be so amazing. Wow. And I was just like, wow, this guy gets it. That's and so cool. And he started making comments. Like, I'm shocked. Started making comments about white male spaces. And I was just like, I don't know, man. I really lucked out with him. After that, I had an Iranian woman. And she was so horrible. I was like, this Yeah, was- sometimes our own people also are really harsh on us. Yeah. And I don't actually go to, I usually try to go to, all my providers are women of color, but usually not Middle Eastern. Mm. Yeah, I actually am starting that app that you use. Um, I signed up and I'm They're having great. my Valera, first... Valera, we should plug them, honestly. Should, let's plug they them. They're like one of the few places also take Medicaid. Right. And online therapy. So like this and the psychiatrist, they have everything. It's like a one-stop shop. I really, we should be sponsored by them. But all my comedian, I've been telling everybody because most of us are on Medicaid. <laughs> Like comedians. And yeah. so, you know, it's hard to find a, first of all, it's hard enough to find a therapist or provider that takes insurance, period. Right. And then for someone who is not like in a back alley to take Medicaid, it's like really hard. So mm. I found a lot of the best providers. So I, I've, I feel like, and I do my research. I mean, I'm a provider myself in healthcare. So it's like, mm. I, I kind of do try to do my due diligence with that. But have you, have you started yet? So I'm starting tomorrow. Yeah. And you could always change if you don't like your person. Yeah. It's like, that's a nice thing. It's like, you don't have to mm-hmm. go through the whole... Because they have a whole list of people and that seems that seems nice. Yeah. And you can just yeah. tell them what you're looking for. Is it harsh? A little bit, just because we're like talking in between. Yeah. Which is hard because for the listeners and viewers at home, you got to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And that's why cigarette smokers can't really smoke hookah because they're like used to taking small puffs and it right. burns it. But if you, you have to take a lot of long yeah. puffs. You have to take long puffs and not really inhale in the yeah, same way. Yeah, not inhale. Yeah. yeah. Else you want to be choking on it. 
Yeah, so I'm excited to see what that's going to look like. I'm excited tomorrow. for it. I think it's great. I've been using it for a couple of years. I've had a couple of different therapists. Mm. I, I currently have a white woman and I was going to change like immediately. And I think now we're like, we're vibing, you right. know? Yeah. It's working out. I wonder if, do you ever feel that way? So when you were coming, you said, sorry for being on brown time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm uh, a half hour late, which is actually, <laughs> actually probably brown early. So it's, it's brown early. Um, but I, I, I thought about this thing where, you know, we assign colors to things. Mm -hmm. So, um, we call, you know, how we say something is dark. That usually means that it's not good. Mm. Um, if, um, people use, words like black and dark and and brown for like things that are not necessarily good right i was just thinking about that because you're um, right which is an issue right because it's all about how you how, what language does and how what we really put out there what we're saying with with those mm -hmm. words but i remember i had this friend back in the uk who used to be like yeah i only um I only connect with dark people, not skin color, but mm. people who are dark. Like dark sense of humor? Like, like just kind of traumatized, really. Oh, like so, emo dark, kind of like. So kind of like, you know, people with goth. luggage. Yeah. Not yeah. goth, but. Yeah, just, just emotionally traumatic, emotional baggage. Emo exactly. So you're, you're, you're trauma bonding, essentially, yeah. which I guess we all do to an extent. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I was like. This was a bit I was thinking about in the shower after my therapy when he was like, uh, tell me about your trauma. I'm like, what is this, a first date? Like I dated one guy that just trauma dumped on me. And I'm realizing, and I think I was telling you this earlier, <laughs> that people tend to like trauma dump on me. And I used to take that as like a badge of honor mm. like okay people feel comfortable enough talking to me i i and then it's it's like i've been internalizing a lot of it and people's energies and then i'm like i need to take a step back and i realize also i don't want to trauma dump on people because sometimes it's like i hold it all in and then i have to like you know word vomit on somebody else and then it's a cycle yeah and let's all just go to the apps not to the dating apps who are but qualified and get yeah, paid qualified yes exactly because <laughs> like i'm like I, I but i i've been trying to just like be a listener and not feel like i have to solve people's problems right um hmm. Uh, yeah. regardless though you do take it with you around you do Even if yeah, you're not hard. solving i had this again this is another friend who used to try to keep the yeah. soca going it's hard Please this do. is a challenge yeah it is a challenge it's a part of i guess the challenge of the podcast but um yeah she used to so she'd come over a lot as, during a time where she was going through a lot and she was one day she said i was so overwhelmed with her being you know, in my space all the time, but I, I let it, I felt like she needed to be. Yeah. So I wanted to be a good friend. And one day she said, I love that I can just come and like talk to you. And then when I leave, you just don't think about it. Like you just like, is that what she thinks? She, that's what she thought. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, well, if someone dumps their issues on me, I will take around with me and I will obsess over it. And I was like, do you really think that you leave and I stop thinking about it? Like, I just like, why would it be any different with you than her? I was about to say, if they don't internalize it, then they might think no one does. Right. But if they feel that way, why would you, what are you, like a robot? That apparently I'm a robot. And I think maybe she always thought that I was a bit emotionally disconnected from everything. I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah, was, I could. Yeah. I I don't think you're. I could see how um, maybe being like calm and uh, I think that can come off to people as detached when people are calm and not reactive. Right. But that doesn't mean that you're not in taking that in and like you can't not, you know, energy is transferred and absolutely you have to sort of be protective of that is what I'm learning. And then I I would actually say maybe the opposite of the opposite of that is if you are calm, then you probably are more mindful and you probably are a bit more introspective. Absolutely. And you're more analytical and critically thinking about everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you may actually be taking on more. Yeah. From my experience, I think that's the case. I will say like when it you were talking about your provider and stuff, like when it does come to therapists and stuff, like, I, yeah, we should put all that on. We, we, I, sometimes it's like almost like a challenge. I'm like, okay, you want my, here, let me dump, like, what do you want to do with this information? Mm-hmm. It's like, sure. I'll tell you like, um, how I feel. And it's, it's, I'm not like, Maybe the beginning when I first started therapy, which was like eight years ago, it was definitely much harder for me to open up. Mm. Um, and now it's like, all right, I'm just putting it all out there. Here you go. Have fun with this head case. Right. You know, um, but I've also like, I think you were telling me this too, a lot of t- when your therapist was, can you tell me they were asking you questions you had already thought about these yeah. introspective things. Yeah. And I think that also helps the facilitate the conversation it helps also um the healing process because you've already done a lot of the introspective work you're not like Mm -hmm. completely clueless as to why things are the way they are in your life for sure and a lot of people don't ask those questions of themselves Mm -hmm. and don't look inwards and think all of their problems are you know external yeah yeah absolutely and i i realized my therapist was really good when he got me he got started asking questions that um, made me that took me by surprise. Mm. So not just questions that I had already thought about because those I was really prepared for. Right. But then once he started questions and asking me things that where I was like, "Wait, what? What? I don't know how to answer this." That's when I started doing uh, so much work. I in love therapy. those. I, yeah, I love that. I think that now I'm like I actually find it really refreshing if they ask me a question that uh, I haven't thought about. Right. Because if just thinking about your issues meant that you could solve them, then we wouldn't need therapy, right? So they're they're doing something right when they get to ask you, start asking you those questions. Yeah. For sure. I become like, I wonder if I'm either like, a. <laughs> I'm such a little perfectionist type A person. I'm like, I want to be a good therapy student. <laughs> and so I will like you know, pathologize myself to them. I'm like, well, these are my following cognitive distortions. <laughs> I tend to go towards black and white thinking, uh, catastrophize it. So I have this app that's also really cool. I do a lot of self-help shit. Actually, this might Love be my that. next podcast is self-help shit because I, I've done like an insane amount of reading podcasts, workbooks, blah, mm. you know, um, and so it is, it is like refreshing when they ask you something that you hadn't like considered, but I have this app that was really cool that takes you through all of your, this is before I could afford therapy or was it therapy and not like you could, um, you know, uh, fi- like it, it takes you through this cognitive behavioral therapy, basically through an app. It's like, tells you like, okay, here are the thought processes that you're 
having. Like, so whenever you have anxiety, you're basically following into one of these like 10 categories of thinking. Right. And, you know, the brain always wants to categorize things. And it's always, that's where like the, the it's always like searching for a puzzle to, and if, if there's no problem to resolve, then I'll create one to resolve. So it was really helpful. And, you know, um, I mean, you know, this as a neuroscientist, when the brain can label or name something or put a, put a name to a feeling, then it helps calm down the amygdala, which is, the, mm. you know, like the anxious part or like the hyperactive kind of mm-hmm. emotional, emotional center. Yeah, exactly. So it can calm that down so you can process uh, right. um, uh, thoughts and, and feelings uh, a little bit more uh, efficiently and easier. So it's, um, I, yeah, I, I I definitely like love love this stuff, and uh, I find it really like fascinating. So I'm I like I I like those challenging questions. Yeah, I have to say though, self help is my least favorite kind of reading. Mm. That I wish I was better at that. But even self help in general really just puts me off so much. Like going to a physiotherapist. Well, a lot of it is like super bullshit crap. Like. A lot of it is bullshit. Yeah. What, what about physiotherapists? Yeah, even physiotherapy, when you're supposed to do these exercises every single day, and I just can't I've do that. I've never been. What, what did you do? Pull something? Or- yeah. When I was um, when I was 18, I got hit by a car while I was cycling uh, oh in my Copenhagen, God. and I landed on my lumbar area and Ooh. then injured it really badly. So then I had to go to physiotherapy. But all those exercises I had to do, I just... Would never do them. It was like, oh, you have to do this three times a day. No, just fix me. That's right. That's kind of what I wanted them to do. And right, I feel the same way about other kinds of of self help. Mm. It's yeah. a journey. It's a journey. It's a process. I need to go again because my knees are messed up from during the pandemic. I got into this crazy workout scheme where I was working out five times a day. Oh my god! Yeah, it was unreal. I was so bored. I was the most trim i've ever been and i had like abs and stuff which was crazy for me but that was that was like sustainable it's not sustainable yeah i mean i loved it i really what did you do i truly enjoy still working out like that but i just don't have the time i was doing a lot of hit workouts i love yeah uh and i really got into do you know the nike coach running club uh, joe um. Yeah, for the Nike Running Club yes, or the I love Training the guided, Club. Yes, I, I just love use it. it the other. I use it. The guide runs so are the best. Great. Yeah, With, I also use um Sweat App by Kayla Sinis. She's a okay. amazing. I do all of her hit workouts. They're amazing. It's like when I do them, I'm in the best shape yeah. of my life. So for the workouts, I love Body Pump by Les Mills. That whole brand. Have they tried it? Where do you find that? Is it on YouTube? So they have gyms where they do it, but they do have oh. YouTube as well. And they they made an app during the pandemic. Oh, sweet! Because then obviously gyms were closed. But they, it's an Australian uh, company, and they have all these locations in the, the UK. Aussies, man, they're killing it with the workout. They kill it with the workout. Yeah, all these, like Kayla fit Sydney is like, people. oh, she's so fit. Yeah, she's so. I love I love her workouts. They're mm-hmm. really intense. I feel like we're just losing money here on plugging these apps. Yeah, sponsor us. Yeah, sponsors. I I do need a sponsor. So rather something that's healthy and helps people than the tobacco yeah. companies. I know, right? We're like, we're, I love how we're talking about health and fitness and uh, smoking hookah. You know, everyone has a vice. It's balanced. I don't yeah. trust people without vices. They, yeah, me neither. I like, means they're 
probably has psych- yeah, their vice is murder. Yeah, <laughs> because like I went out with this guy. I had like three dates. Like he was Palestinian. He was half Palestinian, half white. He like nothing, not smoke, not drink. He didn't even like. He came over and he just had water. Ew! I was like, do you want tea, coffee? Do you want seltzer? Like I had a whole, and he was like, no, I just have water. And I'm like, I'm gonna kill myself. That is my least favorite kind of people. Like you can't even have. I mean, and that reminds me, I didn't offer you anything. You bet. No, I'm kidding. no, no, like no. The worst no, host. you offered me. No, I was late, so I think we we're ready. To, like, hit the ground running. So, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. Wait, once you stop recording, <laughs> all good, all good. But yeah, I would so, what did you do? Did you dump him because of that? I mean, we went on three dates. He was just boring. Oh, surprisingly, <laughs> not. Um, yeah, it was. And I'm like, I don't trust you if you don't have any vice. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're on comics who so have too many vices and to an extreme, but um, I just, I'm like, what is your outlet? But, but comics are fun, right? Comics are fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's because they they're so many vices. They're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, I have an obsessive, I have a compulsive type of, obs- I wouldn't say I'm like OCD, but I ha- definitely have compulsive tendencies. Okay. So I think that feeds into like, just overindulgence with anything, right? I, I think mm-hmm. addiction. I was talking about this with my cousin. We both like compulsive, and in different ways. And I think that lends itself to overindulging in anything that you do. So I, I try to also be disciplined and try not to overdo it with things. Right. But um, I feel, it, it's hard. I feel like you're a super disciplined person, but maybe I just yeah, that's the side of you that I see because I know I'm not disciplined. Really? Yeah. I mean, you're doing a neuroscience PhD postdoc? Postdoc. So, uh, I mean, what is what is it to be disciplined, though? Like, regimented is what I think of when I think like discipline. Yeah. Yeah. I, I w- I w- I'm pretty routine, but I haven't been lately. And that throws me when I'm not in a routine. It mm. throws me so much. Um, I like routine and safety. That's maybe like my type A Capricorn kind of compartmentalize, right. put everything in a box, both physically and mentally. I try to put things in boxes. And in my house, I'm just like, can I find a box for this organized box? Like, you know, it's like yeah. literal. Um, but yeah, it's really, I think I give off this kind of image to people that I'm not saying is not like, maybe it's not the whole picture. I don't know. I think it also made me want to live up to this image, which I'm realizing more and more like this, like I am a perfectionist, but it's, I say I'm like a recovering perfectionist, but I could also be like, I don't know. Where did that image come from? Like, where did you? My my mom, my parents telling me that I uh, like trying to hold me up to this perfect standard. Oh, wow. And I, and then, um... This is why I'm such an advocate now, like talking about also mental health and medication and stuff. Like I'm full on, like I used to not, I used to think if I take antidepressants or medication that it makes me weak, but then I'm like, why suffer? Why Why? suffer? But I've had multiple people when I've told them that I'm on medication, they go, oh, well, you seem so put together. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm on medication. Do you think that if like being on medication makes you not a together person? I guess that is what that's a connotation, and I yeah. I, I fed into that like I, I for a while. I'm like, oh, I have to be this like 
flip up to this kind of image and I don't know, it's, it's kind of, yeah, also, I'm not a mess. I'm like, I'm not messy. I'm not emotionally messy. I'm not like a hot mess of a person. I will say that, but I have my, like today I was just crying on the couch at like 2 PM for like no reason. No. Why? I, I don't know. I was overwhelmed. I was like doing a bunch of like just loose, just tying up loose ends on things. And okay. a lot of things were up in the air and that ambiguity and stuff just was giving me like anxiety. So I just like woke up with anxiety and then, it, I mean, it, it, yeah, it was just kind of, it was tough, but it's like to, to think that everyone has their moments and days. Mm, yeah. For me, that was Sunday. Wait, that was yesterday. No, it was Saturday. I had one of those days where yeah. I just felt like crying for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, I just felt overwhelmed. Yeah. And then it was like, my boyfriend was there and he was like, what's wrong? What's what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to explain it. I don't even know what there is to explain. Mm-hmm. I was just like, just let me alone. He, uh, let me be. And he was like, I just, ha- I was literally on the couch and had blanket over me crying. And he was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. And I'm like, nothing. It's well, just like, this is just how guys, I deal. What do guys think that you're just on your period, right? Is that what they think? I mean, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I think that might be part of reinforcing it. Reinforcing stereotypes. But here. I know, but I was like, reinforcing stereotypes. I am. But also, I was like, I think I've just been overwhelmed by a, a, a you know, it's just compounded and little, yeah. like little things. So it's hard, and it's like puts stress on me to have to articulate what's going on because sometimes I just want to cry and just cry and just yeah. not have anyone question it. I think that's okay. Sometimes a good cry is really good. Just get all that tension out of you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Big advocate for crying. Me too. Let's cry right now. (laughs) Cry all the time. Cry. Stop laughing. Yeah. Start crying. Yeah. (laughs) Do both. I laugh when I cry sometimes. Sometimes I laugh at myself crying because I'm like, this is so ridiculous sometimes. Depending on the situation, you can be like, I'm crying. I don't know. Sometimes I'm just an emotional person. I'm like uh, very, very emotional. So uh, it's hard for me not to cry. I think that's great to be being emotional, being just emoting like that and, and, you know, crying and getting out. That's all great. That's all. I think so. I think it helps me relate to people like being emotional helps you relate. Yeah. I mean, uh, in some ways, but I need to also like find the balance of not letting other people's emotions like mess with mine. Mm. Yes. How are you doing that? Are you trying to, is there anything you're doing to prevent that? I do daily visualizations of like energy protection and heal. And I also do Reiki. I do it on myself as well. I'm an Reiki healer. How does that work? Um, I'll do it on you. If you're okay. open to it, you <laughs> yeah. just touch the different like chakra points and you're basically channeling like the energy from the universe and helping like align like the energy inside of you. Um, it's really fascinating. That's I used cool. to be a very skeptical person and then I had it done on me for like two years and then I became initiated into Reiki and the more I get into it, I'm like, this makes sense to me. That's cool. That's really cool. I, I've There's never science had behind it too. Like you can look into right. the science, like it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah. And they, and then I, you know, also the scientist in me is like, I got to research this. And I was like seeing it, um, like New York Presbyterian where I did my internship and studied, um, does that as part of their complementary alternative medicine like oh, that's so program? Cool so I was like that. seeing that they do more places are adopting this like Eastern type of healing, and I was like, why the hell not? Like I do everything, I do all the things: exercise, try to eat right, smoke my hookah. You know? Yeah, well, you have it's a balance, like you said. You have to do all of it. 
And I think I think it is great that uh, Western medicine is trying to adopt more of alternative. Well, even just calling it alternative, I is know probably calling offensive. it alternative. Yeah, it's uh, like wasn't this really the main form of medicine? Right, and this until is all we invented drugs. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like East versus West is how I try to yeah. categorize it. But no, it is true. It's like anything. It's like it shouldn't be alternative medicine. It's the natural medicine. You know, absolutely. I mean. And there's so much evidence for it. Every day there are papers out there being like, oh, we use this plant and then we saw that it affects this disease and it helps with this disease. And meditation. And like, I and mean, carving right. out new neuropathways and calming, you know, like it's fascinating. Absolutely. And just something like sitting mm-hmm. and meditating, which I did this yeah. morning and then I was still like, I was like, I'm so like, I just, I was like, but you know, it's something got to keep doing and practicing. Yeah. I just, uh decided to start a new 30 day challenge yoga challenge because nice. those really keep me going every time i do 30 days i know that i have how so. um i guess what what do you use i use yoga with adrian me too i love that okay okay because i was gonna say we should um hold each other ca- like i would have done it with you at a, yeah oh, when did good. you start it i'm starting it yes it's literally started yesterday because uh, I, I I do yoga with Adrian as well. She's it's really great for back pain and all, I mean mm. I use it a lot for more therapeutic like shoulder neck pain back oh, pain. Okay. It's amazing. Like she's really good. She's, she's so easy good. to follow. Just it, it, she breaks everything down so easily. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you have to be like a super yogi. And she has this like calm energy and yeah, and she's, she's kind of chill. She's funny, quirky, as well. and just yeah, she's yeah. not. She doesn't take herself seriously, which right. I really appreciate. She's not like one of these like. You know, I don't yeah. know, self-righteous kind of yoga, like whatever. I guess that's why she's like one As of the most popular. As a white woman, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's so popular. She, when you type in yoga, she's the first thing that comes yeah, up. Yeah, I recommend her to everybody. Yeah. She's great. Another plug. Another plug. Adrian, sponsor us. <laughs> While we're smoking hookah. Yeah. While we're smoking. Yeah, again, about, look, guys, we're going to give you the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Exactly. All of it. So what is one of your, is there any advice that you want to share other than this? I, I love hearing about people's vices. Um, I mean, God, do I want to admit any of these? <laughs> Maybe like a silly one. Oh, a silly vice. Oh, okay. Because vice has like a negative connotation. It tends to be something that's like, bad for your health Mm -hmm. right i i like to uh god what do i do i mean i like sugar like any i love ice cream i fucking love ice cream yeah it's like my favorite yeah is it advice though if it gives you joy i think so (laughs) i think that's the purpose of advice otherwise why are you harming your body (laughs) for sure yeah you're not doing vices right that's kind of how i feel about it though it's like this gives you pleasure it's like what's self-care what's a vice at some point right um yeah i oh okay this is like just browsing like i guess retail therapy or like browsing shit Mm. on amazon and then even like it'll just calm me also do just online even if i don't buy anything it's just like okay. window shop window shopping but through safari <laughs> and that's like a vice and then reading amazon reviews of things really yeah <laughs> leaving reviews too no i don't okay. leave them i'm okay. i'm a selfish user i think that's fine oh and then true crime true crime that's oh, a, really? i think watching a lot of true crime i'm often wondering what it says about people that they're so into true crime 
I guess I'm a sociopath. <laughs> it is weird because I'm like, oh, I'm so sensitive and I can't hear about people's problems. I'm like, ooh, murder. Did her husband get... I think because it feels so far from me. Um, although I guess like women are the target. But it's usually like white women and their like husbands or something. I don't know. That is a vice. That definitely is so? one. I think yeah. it's a silly one. I think it's harm. I, I had to quit for a while because I was listening to the podcast. I was watching it all the time. And then I was reading an article about how it, it increases your paranoia and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I do still check for monsters under my bed. So maybe right. uh, I need to like cool it on the true crime. And I did for like two years and then like went back to it. Oh, well, I mean, in New York, it probably isn't too bad to be like a bit paranoid. Yeah, that's true. And mm -hmm. Diet Coke. I try not to have it because I know it's not healthy. It's not good for you. But I love Diet Coke. Yeah. That is one vice that took me ages to stop was uh, Coke Zero. Well, I quit it for a while. Mm -hmm. And only recently it's been kind of... I try not to buy things and leave it, like keep yeah. it in my house. But there's certain foods when I go out, I'm like, if I have like Chinese food or I wore pizza or pizza, it's like I want a beer usually. Mm -hmm. If I'm out of pizza, you know, but if I'm out, I like a Diet Coke. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been one of those things that slowly creep back. I didn't have any any kind of like seltzer or soda for like four years. Yeah, and well. then this summer because it's been so hot, it's been so nice to have like a can of Diet Coke or something like that. And it's just yeah. Like, well, I think there's nothing wrong with seltzer. I do a lot of seltzers. There's always yeah. seltzer. I always have like three flavors or something. Yeah, it also helps me hydrate. That's true. Yeah, seltzer for sure is. I think it's just the fact that I I find when I drink a lot of seltzer, I get used to um, the, the fizziness. The fizziness, the, yeah, it's a good and then that leads to. I Diet wonder. Coke. Yeah, I wonder if that's why. But no, I think I've always like loved Diet Coke. Mm. I used to have a shirt, this little like baby tee that said Diet Coke for the taste, not because I need it. <laughs> so <Okay. cute. laughs> that's cute. That was during my the height of my addiction. Oh God. I used to love those Coca-Cola commercials with the pen with the, the polar bears. Polar bears. Wow. Before they all died off. Uh, all of them because of Coca-Cola. Yeah. They used their last <laughs> polar bears for their commercial. It's so random, right? Well, why why polar bears? It was a Christmas it was a, it was a Christmas ad, I guess. Was Sa it? Santa Claus was in there too, right? Oh, Wasn't I, I guess I don't thing? remember that. I'm trying to think. I haven't seen commercials in so long. Isn't that funny? I mean, Thank God. With I mean, streaming they, and stuff. Oh, my God. If there were com commercials on Netflix, I would stop immediately. Yeah. 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 Um, there used to be in Turkish television a lot of Coca-Cola commercials around Ramadan. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, a lot of food commercials in general around Ramadan. Yeah. Which is really problematic, too. I know. know. You're just watching it and you're like drooling. You're like, oh, everything it, looks so good. And in countries where there's a lot of wealth disparity. Right? Oh, of course. The like, whole no, Middle East, is, there's no like middle class. Right. So a lot of people who are watching TV as well are not going to be able to afford all that food. Right. So. Right. So that's just very problematic. Yeah. I do remember in Turkey, there was a petition to stop it because of that. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. I don't think they want anything, but you know. Yeah. War on on Coke and <laughs> the war on Coke, yeah. There's mm -hmm. this really um cool charity and nonprofit organization that 
wanted to distribute medicine to like rural parts in some African, West African countries, I think. And because there's no transport out there, they found out that if they just loaded Coca-Cola trucks, they could actually get medicine out to all those places. Because Coca-Cola goes out to the most remote places on earth. Oh, wow. How amazing That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So there's a book that one of my best friends is just about to, he, he's written and it comes out in 2023. Um, and he, he talks about all these companies and individuals that have learned how to hack the system. Yeah. And that nonprofit does that essentially. It hacks the system by using Coca-Cola trucks. I love that. I was listening to a, a podcast. Um, I forgot where but it was basically like this isn't this is a similar just like saving costs of hospital uh, by switching to like the glove being both ambidextrous the those latex gloves Mm. and like spending half the amount of money now because you don't need a right glove and a left glove right i don't know i just thought that was like fascinating that they actually like changed the manufacturing of that glove so that it fits either hand oh wow yeah because all this time I've used gloves, it's all, always been that way. I wonder when they did that. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. It's just those like little, like, especially, I mean, we need to hack the healthcare system beyond just the glove. But for sure, it's just those things are kind of fascinating. Yeah. Those studies. We're both nerds. We're like. Very, very much so. Yeah. And um, oh, what was the question? I, I was sitting with a question and then I forgot. Of course, I'm a great host. It's because I'm blowing hookah on your face. Yeah, it's great. I see you through the smoke. Yeah, yeah, just foggy. <laughs> it's like, ooh. <laughs> very uh, mysterious. Very mysterious. It's like a hookah place, essentially. It's always foggy. Yeah, it's like when you, maybe that's like you, you date somebody. That's why arranged marriages work. You just go to these like hookah bars or like... With like purple lights. Yeah, yeah. You can't yeah. really see the person that right. you're with. And you're like, everyone <laughs> seems cool at that oh, point. Oh gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, I literally went yesterday with uh, with Katie actually. Oh yeah, yeah, she invited me. I was so, uh, I wanted to join you guys. But I'm trying to take Sundays to just chill because it's the only day mm-hmm. where I usually don't have shows. So it's, yeah. I'm trying to just like regroup on a Sunday. Uh, that makes sense. I started using Sunday to just do like admin and editing and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I do that on Fridays usually or something. Like I try to do that. Mm. And Mondays. Fridays when work is over, I try to do nothing. Like just have fun. That's always Friday for me, but um, Saturday and Sunday. What do you mean? Admin work is fun. <laughs> I do also, I do enjoy my spreadsheets though. You do? Uh, at life admin is the worst thing for me. I am the worst at life admin. Like bills and yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, I just, I'm kind of, you know how you are like, I'm organized. I like, I like putting things into boxes. I'm the kind of person who's like out of sight, out of mind. Just put it away, put it away so that I can't see it. And then I don't have to deal with it. And it'll be in the back of my mind that eventually I have to deal with this thing, but it'll just eat at me and I won't do it. And obviously once I do it, I feel great about it. But by that time, it's so far gone that it's a problem now that I have to solve. Yeah, you wait till the urgency is there. Yeah. Um, do you... Oh, wait, you remind me of something. Do you keep lists? No. To-do lists or any of that? I only just started because I've been feeling so overwhelmed. So I've been like, 
All right. I need to do list now. Okay. I have a great notepad. Like it's a tearaway daily three uh, and breaks it down at three top priorities, other to-do lists. And then it's a time block. So you can then write in when you're going to do those things for that day. And then I just rip it off and then transfer whatever I have from the previous day to the next day, whatever I haven't finished. And then try to create, put time slots in for doing it. I'll send it to you. It's like a notepad that you just like. Just download. No, it's just a paper. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. And you just tear off every day. Oh, interesting. Because I'm in the lab, right? So lab work is um, it, it kind of is temperamental. Like it, some yeah, days you can't go by a, s- no. yeah. And you're, yeah, yeah. I guess you, it's, you it depends on the science. You can never predict what yeah. the next day is going to look like. Cause you need the results of today to figure out what you're doing tomorrow. Right. So because of that, if it makes it really difficult, or, and that's always one thing that I loved about science is that every day is kind of different, Yeah. but it makes it difficult when you're also trying to combine it with a whole other field of For work. For sure. And then trying to, plan yeah i'm definitely i like to plan i like to know what my day is gonna look like yeah. i don't I, I again i find safety in routine but it's also important to not be rigid mm-hmm. i'm working on that yeah <laughs> I'm working on a lot of things oh uh, yeah so what was the you said the first time you did hookah you were like 10 years old I think it's the first time I tried it. I wasn't like a regular, you know, yeah. but probably more regularly when I was a teenager. Was it in Alabama? No, no, Palestine. Oh, so how long did you live there? I mean, I went there every summer, but I lived there throughout my childhood till high school. On and off, on wow. and off. Whoa, I didn't know that until yeah. high school. Yeah, till ninth, I finished out ninth grade, then came back 10th, 11th, 12th, college, and then moved to New York after college. Oh, wow. So you have a strong, very strong connection then. Yeah. I mean, I moved there when I was a baby. I lived there throughout yeah. the first and second intifada and like I wow. would go. Yeah. When it, we weren't living there, we'd spend every summer there. Hmm. Yeah. That's, I feel like most immigrant families do that. They go back mm-hmm. for summers, but I never had any kind of education in Turkey. Hmm. So there's not that connection with it in the, in the same way. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Yeah, it was really important for my parents and my mom, especially for us to be like ingrained in the culture and to have that sense of belonging. And mm. and it, it definitely is there. I love that. So you, I know that you have a very strong Palestinian identity. Does it, do your siblings too? Yes. Okay. Yes. And they also had to do that to go yeah. to. Uh, that's that's yeah. great. Yeah. We're all very like hardcore, like yes, very. A strong identity. Mm. What about your Alabama identity? Is that a thing? <laughs> I try to forget it every day. You're like, I'm more of a uh, New Yorker than... I am yeah. at this point. I mean, I've been living in New York 14 years. You know, no, I think it's yeah, okay it's for you to crazy. call yourself a New Yorker now. Can I? Because I actually, I've lived here more than any other place. Isn't that, isn't that what's important? That's yeah. the place you lived in the most. So that's your home. Yeah. Because even if I divide the other like 20 years, like probably live, yeah, like maybe, I don't know, it's it's kind of hard to quantify. Maybe like most of my life has now been, not most of my life, maybe like a third of my life here, probably like, I don't know. It's between Alabama and Palestine. It's like maybe 50% of my life in Alabama, mm. 40%. It's hard to. Yeah. Yeah. 
40% Alabama, 30% Palestine, and 30% uh, if I had to call <laughs> um, New York, maybe. All right. So New York is coming up soon to be like... Yeah. Yeah. Even more than Alabama. Although I really have to sit and do the math because maybe I have been in New York longer than mm-hmm. Alabama. Right. Because 14 years... Is a third of your life, right? I'm I'm 35. No, it's, it's more than third. more than a third. Yeah, yeah, I'm 35. Yeah, so that leaves 21, and that's mm. 10 and a half years. And yeah, if we split it between, yeah, yeah. So you have, have lived. Been, yeah, I've lived here more yeah. than any other place. I think it's just hard when you're like not born in a place and you didn't spend your formative years in a place. That mm. tends to be where you call home. Absolutely. And coming here as, I guess, an adult, like I was 21. I mean, I guess an adult. I was an adult, but like, you're 21. You're just also like not this is, yeah, fully form- grown. Formative and- is your your early childhood. Is that what people always yeah. use it as? Okay. Up Be- until your teenage years, which I lived in both, again, Palestine and Alabama. You know, I have to say, though, I feel like the, the place you spend, you grow as a person is the place where... You have the strongest connection. It's probably New York and Palestine. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because there was this one city that my family lived in for three years in Denmark. And it was in those three years, I changed so much as a person. And I really grew into a, like my personality. And for the longest time, I thought of myself as being from that town, from that city. And it was only three years of my life. That's in, what age? I was 12 to 15. Yeah. See, that's a very formative yeah. time. I was in Palestine during those years. And so that was my identity for the longest time. And then when I moved to the UK, I also, again, I felt like I was from 25 to 31. And I felt like I changed a lot in those years too. Yeah. As a per- like we really changed a lot of yeah. things about myself. And so I also have a really strong connection to to the UK now. So it's kind of interesting. I guess it is what you make of it. It is it home is. is what you call what you want to call home. It's okay. New Yorkers are so snobby about who's a New Yorker. I know it's so, like, fu- but you know what? It's not even New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. It's other transplants that want to like claim their New York right. status. But New Yorkers don't care. They're just like, whatever, right? Because they're jaded. With everything. Yeah, they don't give a shit about yeah. your identity with new york i'm just like who are you i don't give a fuck just get out of my way <laughs> just walk quicker that's all they care about yeah i have to say those slow walkers they're the worst they're the worst they're the worst humans on earth yeah mm. except when i do it in which case it's okay oh of course yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm always like yelling at pedestrians but i do that when i'm driving and then when i'm walking i'm yelling at cars <laughs> Yeah, I hate cyclists when I drive. They're the worst. But I have been a cyclist like all my life. I always bike to places. Yeah. I'm just about to get a bike here in New York too, so that I can start biking here again. Because that's been such a big, you know, part of my life. But Denmark, the UK, you just bike everywhere. It's way more accessible there though. Yeah. And more um not as dangerous. Yeah, not as dangerous. That's why I don't bike here. Yeah. It is. I'm just keeping track of time. Okay. So, um, do you have any fun hookah stories? Did you ever have anything? Hookah stories? Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so I think I've like gone sick from hookah more no, as I smoke. Don't worry. Uh, I've thrown up in every coffee shop in the West Bank. <laughs> Because I would just be out with friends, I'd smoke, I'd smoke, 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 and then not know like my limits. So I've definitely thrown up more from hookah than alcohol or anything like sure. combined. Because, um, so I have all these ridiculous stories of just like there, there hasn't been one bathroom that I haven't thrown up in. <laughs> until, uh, this is how I christen a new coffee shop. Yeah, that was my early twenties. Yeah, it hasn't. It didn't happen this summer, but I barely smoked when I was in Palestine because of that. Okay. Also, try not to combine alcohol and smoke and and hookah because yeah, it really fucks well. things up. Yeah, yeah. Is that is there a drinking culture in Palestine? Um, in Ramallah, where I'm from, okay. it's more like secular and like also the the population like half Christian, half Muslim in Ramallah. So right. like that helps mm. remove the stigma a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. But people our age all like drink and. Yeah, we have like a couple of local breweries and that are really good. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, because in, in Turkey, in my city, it's not a thing. Only um, men drink. Mm. Oh, isn't that interesting? Beer. Yeah. Yeah. And whiskey. And whiskey, yeah. It's always whiskey. Johnny Walker, yeah. Black Label. That's what always. Arabs love. <laughs> always that. I think, yeah, I think it's the same one they all drink. But yeah, for women, no. But in Istanbul, obviously, it's different. Yeah. It's funny because... Oh, yeah, yeah. I would yeah. say Ramallah is kind of like the Istanbul, right. of, like the West Bank. It's like, you want to drink, fine. You don't want to drink, fine. Um, the thing was in Istanbul, one thing I noticed when I went back around the time where it was getting more... Um, it was getting more polarized. You know, like over the last 20 years, the city's been changing a lot with the current government. So there was a time where they went from being like, you know, people's party, like looking out for everyone to being people to kind of starting oppressing certain groups. Mm. And I remember going to this, um, they had started to shut down a lot of bars, um, because of like, if there was a bar in a regular neighborhood, they're like, we don't want alcohol around families. So we're going to shut these down. So they started shutting these down. So only if you went to like the nightclub areas, you could get alcohol. So as a response to that, in the more like affluent and liberal, secular parts of of Istanbul, the bars would be like, you have to drink alcohol or you can't be here. I was like, why does this country always have to be so black and white? That's hilarious. It's so messed up, right? It's Just like, prove you're people. not a narc. Exactly. Prove you're not one of them. Right. But they could be undercover. No, I don't know. That's so it, ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And that, that's one of the things that icks me the most about Turkey is that it's always polarized. You I always mean, I think that's the Middle East. Yeah. And maybe I'm generalizing, but it does feel that way. Yeah, it does. It does. Whereas here, I feel like here, um, there is just this acceptance of, oh, you don't want to drink, you don't want to smoke, you don't want to do this. Fine, yeah, whatever. but when you meet a Muslim who doesn't, are you, as part of you kind of like, are you, like, oh, really, are you super religious, zealot that we're not going to like get along? Like, I, sometimes I mm. have that. Maybe that's just the judging me because I grew out of that. I think yeah I I think I'm okay with it now but there was a there was a 
a time in my life where I would have been wary of those people because I would have been like, are they going to judge me a lot? Exactly. I think yeah. that a lot of times that fear, honestly, yeah. of just us being judged and they yeah. probably just don't care. Yeah. And whereas now I'm like, oh, you're going to judge me? I don't give a shit about that now. But there was a time where I did. That too. That I wasn't too. comfortable with it yet. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't met that many Muslims here that don't do things. So. Especially in New York. Yeah. Also, I'm probably not in those spaces. Yeah. You know, you start Wearing going comics the, and stuff. Yeah. So the people we meet are degenerates. <laughs> like us. Like us. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and so you're, you're dating in a relationship. When I met you, you weren't. So that's been like... <gasps> I wasn't. No. When did we meet? Well, last year. Wait, when? So I came to your Halloween party. We had just started, I had just started dating my boyfriend like a month prior and he was supposed to be there. It's a long story that's still like a, 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 a kind of a recurring, like he basically was trying to, he came like, ended up coming way late after everybody left, but we got like stuck at this other party or whatnot, but it became a running joke right now about my Halloween party. And I was like, oh, you were there, right? Oh, right. You weren't. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think we had met like a month prior i think so i think so i the first show i ever did here was probably around september um that's where we met in at a show in brook in crown heights i think and then yes we stayed it was september it was september. right and i had not dated right we had i think um my boyfriend and i like met like a week later two weeks wow. later. we met like mid-september yeah so i just met you and you were i think i reached out to you um Maybe I asked about shows. I don't know if I did, but um, I tried to like connect with the people I had met, especially like POC women. Um, and I, I think you were the first person in the comedy community to invite me to something. And I was like, "Aww, <laughs> it's so sweet." People need to be more uh, open. I guess yeah. I, I can't imagine. You said that another like Hodo said that, and I'm like, "Why are people not being more inclusive?" Right? And I met so many pe- people around that time, again, like POC women, and I thought, oh, this will be like my, my community, yeah. my people. But it didn't end up that way. It was just like a select few yeah. that I also just like tried to like lure in and, with, yeah. my, with my charms, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it worked for me, at least. Um, but yeah, I mean... I feel the same way and I feel like especially if it's another like Muslim woman even like culturally whatever I feel like this uh instant kind of connection and we're mm. doing stand up we're in New York we're immigrant like yeah. we're like it's so many things that are happening that we have in common not to say that that alone is a reason to be friends with people because I've learned that also that that doesn't necessarily uh is it's not enough to sustain a friendship but I want everybody to know each other and get along and like meet other people. And I know how hard and lonely New York can be when you first move here. And I just don't want anyone to experience that or feel like they don't have a lifeline or someone, you yeah. know, that just like, that's also my own personal, like, oh, like being here and feeling like lonely and sad. And I just never want anyone to feel that way. That is so lovely. I wish everyone thought that way. Yeah. So you're you're a gem. Oh, you're a gem. I'm glad we we met. We made it. Yeah, <laughs> we we got to the other side of it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. So, do you? What would you recommend someone moving to New York? What would you tell them to do? Oh, 
Man, I guess it depends why you want to move here. Uh, if you can right. do what you want to do in another place, do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you don't like the grind, the hustle, bustle, the like craziness, um, if you want a calm place, don't come here. Oh but I like the craziness. I mean, we come from crazy cities, right? Istanbul, Denmark. Like, I don't know how Denmark is. Copenhagen but, like, is Copenhagen, quite yeah. A, yeah. Um, yeah, so I would say like... Find a place that you can find a community. Like, it was easier for me to m make friends because I knew a few people here. I went to grad school. That's easier, but it's hard when you come here for... If you're coming for comedy or art, you can find your community. So, I guess whatever you do, try to find your community. Yeah. That was the advice that I got from Jared Waters when I Aww, when I came to his... his sweetheart. His he knows show. everybody. He knows Jared. everyone. He, like, within a week, he's already, like, mayor of New York. <laughs> well... What he said to me was, first you find your people and then you lift each other up. And I was Aww, like, that is a mayor so thing sweet. to say. I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, that's, he's lovely. Well, Athir, thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the hookah. Yeah. How can people find you? Um, follow me on Instagram. I post everything there. There's my link tree. It's at Athir Yakub, A-T-H-E-E-R-Y-A-C-O-U-B. And yeah. yeah, check and out. That's where I post shows and everything. And you have a podcast called The No Fly List. The yeah. No Fly List. And maybe soon a self-help podcast. We'll Hell see. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because you, you do the research, so we want to know from you. I'll give you the, yeah, yeah. the TLDR. <laughs> yeah, I can't be bothered to read all of that. I just need someone to tell yeah. me. So. Um, and you can follow me on Jansudistat on Instagram, C-A-N-S-U-D-I-S-T-A-T. Please follow the podcast, leave a review, comment, show us some love, follow me on Patreon, join my Patreon. Thank you. Thanks.